Church, I am really excited about today because I love you guys. I love this place. I believe that God has given us a unique vision that's from the Lord, that's not about a person, that's not about a place, that's not about cool modern branding in a vibey room with incandescent or with uh, Edison bulbs, but it's about God has given us a mission that reflects his kingdom, and I'm so excited to talk about that this morning. So this morning is Vision Sunday. It's Fold Sunday. We're going to be in John chapter 10, which is the passage of scripture that the fold was birthed out of. If you've got a Bible, turn there with me. While you're turning there, today we are talking about what we are here for, what, what it is that God called us here to do. So I just want you to know, for some of you, you are like detail people. You're like, all right, so what's next? What now? This is not strategy Sunday. Strategy is super important. Strategy matters. If there's anything that the last year and a half has taught us all in a global pandemic is that strategy changes. But what God's called us to, that we hold on to tightly. That is what doesn't change. So today we're going back to why is it that we exist? What did God call us to do? Why was it that the fold was burst that we started meeting in May of 2019? And why have we continued over the last year through a pandemic and through tragedy? Why have we pressed on? Because of this thing that God has called us to do. Because of this community God has called us to be. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 7. This is a familiar passage if you grew up in church says this, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Let's pray. Jesus... This morning we're here to talk about what you've called us to be as a community. But our prayer right here and right now is that this morning would be about you, Jesus. This morning would be about you being glorified. You are the reason we exist. This is all about you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Do you guys remember what life was like in the before times? You remember what life was like when you, like, you, you didn't, ne- never had to guess someone's emotions just based on their eyebrows? You remember what that was like when you did not have that skill 
because that was not a needed skill. You remember that? You remember back in the times where well, you had like, like if you had allergies, you didn't worry about going to the birthday party because it was probably just allergies and you didn't like stress out for eight hours trying to figure out where you could go get tested and no one shoved a Q-tip back into your brain <laughs> to see if you had allergies or not. Y'all remember that? You remember close talkers? That's a thing we don't have to deal with anymore. You remember, you remember the people that, like, they come in to say, hey, how's it going? And it's like they're coming in for a kiss. I remember there was this guy I went to church with, and this is not part of my notes. I just think this is a funny story. But he's a wonderful, Jesus-loving guy. But when he would talk to me, he'd put his arm around me and give me a side hug. But then he wouldn't let go. He'd just talk like this. <laughs> the whole time. We would talk, and I would instinctively step back to personal space, and he would instinctively step forward. So when we would talk, we would walk across the whole room. <laughs> you remember what life was like back then? Can you imagine what it would be like if you took you from, let's say, like, February of 2019 and you just dropped you down in February of 2021, like in a Walmart? And you look around and there are one-way directions on every aisle and there are places on the floor you can stand and no one is like stealing a toy out of a stranger's cart like it's the last piece of bread in the apocalypse. And it's a Walmart. No one's doing that. Uh, you, you see people with masks. Can you imagine how surprised you would be? Now, here's the point. There are things in our lives that are surprising based on the trajectory of our lives, but that become so common that they don't surprise us anymore. Now, this is a point that I've illustrated a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways. There are scriptures that are shocking. They are surprising. They are outlandish. But we've heard them so many times that they don't shock us anymore. Now, this text, we've probably heard a bunch of times. Realistically, you've probably been to a church before or like a family member's house, and there's a picture of a blue-eyed Jesus holding a sheep, you know, somewhere in the building. We've heard about the Good Shepherd. We've got songs about the Good Shepherd. There are churches called Good Shepherd. This is common. This is normal for us. It's not shocking. This brings to mind pastoral settings and comforting things in Psalm 23. For the original audience, this would have been shocking. In fact, if we were to keep reading just a couple of verses, you would see that the people listening started to call Jesus a demon-possessed because of this thing that he said. And it wasn't just because it's weird for a person to call themselves a shepherd and everyone around them sheep. That's odd. But it was more because that analogy was actually fairly common in the Old Testament. But it was where that analogy was used. So it was used in like Psalm 23, where David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was also used in Ezekiel 34, where... God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the evil shepherds. And he's talking about the leaders and the kings of Israel. And he says, those shepherds feed themselves while the flock goes hungry. My people Israel are scattered and there's no one to gather them in. See, there were kings and there were leaders who were looking out for themselves. There was a kingdom that was meant to be a kingdom of mercy and of love. 
a kingdom that cares for the poor and the outcast, a kingdom where everyone is welcome, but it had become a kingdom where those with power kept power and looked out for themselves. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he's talking to a group of people who were pretty familiar with bad shepherds. He's talking to a group of people who knew what it was like to live in an empire where they were just subjugated in a dark corner. And he knew, he was talking to people who knew what it was like to have their own leaders, their own kings live in opulence while they went hungry. And their own people, their own religious leaders looked down on them in condescension while they did their best just to get by. So when Jesus said something like, I am the good shepherd, he was saying both I am the Lord who protects you and I am the king that you were created for. I am the one who will protect my people. I am the one who will care for the flock. This is a shocking statement. It's a shocking statement because it's a window into a different kingdom. It's shocking when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Not just because it's weird for a shepherd to die for a sheep, but because these people were used to shepherds who were looking out for themselves. And he was giving a window into a new kingdom. It was weird and outlandish when Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come, the good shepherd, that they would have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus is talking about a new kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom in which where the rest of the world wants to get something from you, where this kingdom wants to give something to you. He's talking about a kingdom where the leaders are not using the people for their own mission, but the leader, the king, is actually using himself for the good of the people. It's a window into a new world. And see, here at The Fold, we say it like this. We are a community pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus. Why? Because in this kingdom, the king gives something to you before he asks something from you. Because we live in a world where the reality is every single one of us is broken and wounded. We say it like this a lot. We've all, bo- we've all been born into the system and we've all bought into the system. We've all been born into sin and we've all bought into sin. For a lot of us, our lives, we have lived just doing our best. We weren't trying to be harmful. We weren't trying to be villains, but we learned from wounded people how to deal with our own wounds and they were harmful behaviors. And we look at people who have wounded us and then we look at the people who have wounded them and it's like a world is broken, a world where things are misaligned. We've also all bought into the system. We've also all, at some point, we weren't just doing our best. We said, I know this is wrong. I just want to do it anyway. Life and life to the full for people that are broken and wounded means pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus. You know what that means for us? What that means is that we're a community 
where because we are all wounded and broken, no one is too wounded and broken. Why? Because the shepherd came to give life and life to the fullest. It means we endeavor to be a community where no one is too much or too far or too anything. Why? Because no one was too much or too far or too anything for Jesus. Why? Because he came to give life and give it to the fullest. Now, you might have noticed at this point that what we do here at The Fold, there are a lot of great churches. There are a lot of churches that have their own language, their own way of saying it. We're all pursuing the mission of Jesus together. This is the way we say it at The Fold. So I'm not here to tell you, hey, we are the church that's changing the world. I'm here to tell you today that God has called us to participate with his kingdom and with his community in a unique expression of changing the world. We're partnering with people. And we are committed to be a community pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus. Now, here's the reality. A lot of us who follow Jesus, we treat the life, the fullness of life Christ offers like a retirement account, not a salary. So what that means is we want to cash in on it when we retire from this world and die instead of living it every day. Right? But Jesus has given you a salary, and I'm not saying money. I'm saying Jesus has given you life that you are called to live in, that starts now and echoes into eternity, a life pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus. We believe here at The Fold that based on this text and based on the story of Scripture, there are, four, there are three, sorry, three movements in a life committed to pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus. We say it like this. Find home, find family, and find purpose. We are a community of people pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus by finding home, finding family, and finding purpose. Do you have any place in your life that just like when you get there, it feels like you can't stress out? It feels like you walk in the door and just all of the weight is lifted off your shoulders and you can breathe? For me, it's oddly specific. And there are other places. There's one place that comes to mind immediately. It's at the beach, at night, surf fishing with my dad. I don't know what it is about being in that place, but it's just like the wind and the waves and the salt in the air. It's like, I can't stress out. I just, I don't know what that is for you. Maybe for you, that's your house. Maybe that's your home. Maybe it's the, a place from when you were a kid. Maybe it's an overlook on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Maybe you're here today and you don't have that. You don't have that place that it just feels like your body and your soul can exhale. When we think of Jesus as the good shepherd, what comes to our mind often is like a Thomas Kincaid painting. You know, like green and comfortable and easy and peaceful. But what a shepherd was like in the Middle East was a lot more like walking through the desert to find oasis and walking through the rocks to find grass growing in the middle. And when you were out in the wilderness, there were things like lions and wolves. You may, maybe you remember the story of David when he grabbed a lion by the beard and killed it, which is nuts for the record. It was dangerous. Being a shepherd meant that the shepherd was committed continually finding provision for the sheep and continually finding water for the sheep. And the sheep were scared of running water, so he didn't just have to find water. He had to find still water. But there was a place. There was a place called a sheep pen. Sometimes it's translated as a fold. And when the sheep were in that place, they were at home. When the sheep were in that place, they were safe. There were walls around to keep the predators out, and there was food and provision inside so that when you were there, you didn't have to worry. Now, life was hard, and traveling had to be done, but when you got to that place, you could breathe. Now, Jesus doesn't just say, I have a fold. I have a sheep pen. He says something crazy. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I am the gate. 
In other words, that home that you're looking for is not just a place, it's not a building, it's not a church, it's not really great worship and really cool lighting. No, that place is accessed through Jesus. Through Jesus, the life you are looking for is found. Through Jesus, the peace you are longing for is found. If you are in life feeling alone, feeling like you can't find rest, the access to the home you were created for is through Jesus. He is the door. So we are a community committed to empowering people who are far from God to enter through the door of Jesus into the fold of God. And I don't mean this church, I mean the kingdom of God. We are a community committed to people who are lost and alone and who feel like there's no safe place for them, finding a place their souls and their bodies can exhale. Because Jesus is the hope we were longing for. That means on Sunday mornings, we do everything in our power to make this a place the coffee tastes good and the coffee's ready and the donuts are waiting for you. To make this a place when you walk in, it feels a little bit like you can exhale. And if you're an introvert, no one's going to ask you to get up and shake the hands of five strangers and you won't have to go to the bathroom and pretend like you have to go so you don't have to talk to five strangers. But also, if you're an extrovert, you can find a great conversation. But no matter what, when you leave, someone's going to know your name because that's what a home is like. We're endeavoring to do that, and we've got landscaping work to do and building work to do, but this is one of the things that everything we do centers around. Why? Because Jesus is the door to home, and if this place can feel a little bit like home, then this place can invite someone a little closer to Jesus. Find home and find family. I hate to break the news to you, but you need human beings in your life. Yes, I get it. Human beings say mean things and are sometimes rude and are late and have problems and have their own issues and it is difficult. And some of you here, you're like, I have got like two friends and that is plenty and I would gladly move into a cabin in the woods and not talk to them forever. Awesome. I feel like that some days. You need human beings in your life. Some of you here are the total opposite. You're kind of like me. I'm an extrovert. I know like a thousand people. But if you were to say, hey, CJ, who are your closest friends? I'd be like, uh, it's a lot harder for me to really get to know someone past just knowing their name. If that's you, if you've got a thousand friends but no one that you can call at 2 a.m., you need human beings in your life. Crazy thing happens at the beginning of the Bible. God makes humanity. He's in perfect relationship with him. There's no sin or problems or pain in the world. And he looks at that human and says, this isn't good. It's not good for that person to be alone. Why? Because you need home in Jesus and you also need other people. Other people that are wounded and broken and other people that look a little bit like Jesus so they can show you a little bit of what he's like. You need people. Jesus didn't call a sheep. He did not have a pet that followed him around. No, he called a flock. Sheep are herd animals, and so are we. We need each other. You need people that you can laugh with and cry with. You need people that you can call at 2 a.m. when you wonder if life is worth living, and you know that if you call, they'll pick up the phone. And let me tell you, if you're in this room and you don't know anybody like that, you have somebody like that. You might not know it yet, but you have somebody like that. Everything we do at The Fold revolves around our fold groups. Yes, we are called The Fold, and we call them fold groups. It's a little bit redundant, but we call them fold groups. Why? Because we don't have membership classes here. 
We don't have a membership role here. Now, if you're attending the event and you want to join the fold, that means you join the family. Because this is an event. It's a wonderful event that forms your heart like Christ where you get to worship with your community. But this isn't family. Family happens when we sit in a circle and laugh and cry and pray and share life together. And here at the fold, we're doing a couple things very intentionally. Number one, you might have noticed we very rarely ask for volunteers from the front. If you hear announcements, you never ask for somebody to show up and do this and do that. Why? Because if you come over to my house for the first time, I don't let you do the dishes. If you come over to my house for the 15th time, I'll hand you a mop. Because you're part of the family, Right? And there are things that we have to do, like run sound and volunteering kids and clean the building and all that kind of stuff. All those places we have to do to help the family function. But we want you part of the family before the family asks anything of you. Why? Because we have a king who gives us something before he gets anything from us. We have a king who laid down his life for the sheep rather than selling them for their wool. We need home. We need family. And lastly, we find purpose. This analogy I'm about to give you is ridiculously cheesy. Just be prepared for that. This is a ridiculous analogy, but it's so ridiculous and so obvious because I want it to be so obvious that you cannot miss it. Any of you have a junk drawer? Yeah, you all know where I'm going with this already. Just buckle up. It's going to be good. You have a place, you have like a closet in your house where all the leftover pieces from the Ikea furniture and that like weirdly shaped tool that won't do anything else that they give you is. Like it's there, but it doesn't do anything. You've got a bunch of half-used batteries that will never power a remote again in their poor little lives. There are a lot of Christians that feel like they are in the home and they're part of the family. They're just in the junk drawer. You just feel like you don't have a purpose. You feel like you can't sing or you don't preach or you don't have time to like go volunteer on the weekends or whatever. You feel like your gifts are like just bookkeeping and that I can't use that. You feel like your gifts aren't flashy and I can't use that or I'm not as skilled or talented or have as much experience as those other people. I wanna say this as explicitly as I can. Jesus does not have a junk drawer. One of my mentors and friends, Doug, says, you were made on purpose for a purpose. You were created by God with a specific impact to make in the world. I do not care how boring your skill set is. It brings the goodness of God into the world if you're doing good work with it. You were made to make a difference. You have a purpose. Whether you are an accountant or a musician or a cashier at a CVS or you're a pastor or a doctor or a lawyer, when you use the good skills God has given you to do good work in the world that is beautiful and kind and reflects the image of God, you are bringing the kingdom of God here like it is there. You have good work to do. It might be at home with your kids. It might be with your neighbors. It might be the work you do on the weekends with your hobby just to bless people. You have good work to do. And if the work you do with your hands brings the goodness of God in the world, it is good work. Like Ephesians says, you were created to do with good works prepared in advance for you to do. You were saved by grace through faith, not of works that anyone would, that anyone would boast. 
but you were given good works prepared for you in advance to do. You have a purpose to do in the world. There's a reason why when you said, Jesus, I trust you, you didn't poof into heaven. Because you were created with a purpose here. Now here in this text, Jesus says something. Once again, this is going to be a little on the nose, but just bear with me. Jesus says, I have sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Other translations say, I have sheep that are not of this fold. And Jesus in this moment is specifically talking about those who do not yet know they are invited to be part of the people of God. Because at this point, the people of God were Jewish people primarily. And that through his death and resurrection, all would be welcomed in by faith. Any who trust in him and follow him would be welcomed into the people of God. See, he's saying there are people who do not know that they're welcome yet, and we're going to invite them in, and there will be one shepherd and one flock. And I want to tell you that there are people who are not of the fold yet in Greenville. And I don't mean this church. I do mean this church, and I don't mean this church. Because we're partnering with the church down the road and the church on the other side of town and churches in Spartanburg and churches all across the upstate to bring people who do not yet know that they are welcome in the kingdom of God, who do not yet know they have a home, to bring them home to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit by using our good work as a window into the kingdom of God and by using our words to proclaim his goodness. You have a purpose Jesus said to his disciples as his last command, go and make disciples. There are people who do not yet know that they are welcomed into the kingdom. And you are here to invite them in. I just tell you something. There are people in your life that would never listen to me, would never listen to Phil, would never listen to anybody on the teaching team or anybody on our worship team, but they trust you. And with your work, with your life, and with your words, you get to invite them home. And look, they might never decide to follow Jesus. Your job is not to be the door. Your job is to invite them home. So there's no pressure You've got people in your life that would never, ever walk into a church door with you. They want nothing to do with church, but they'll go to Top Golf with you. They'll go to Cracker Barrel with you. They'll go to your house, and you get to invite them into your life. You've got people in your life that it would take three years of asking every week before they would decide to come to church with you. I might recommend starting now. And you've got people in your life that would come next Sunday if you asked them. We've all got influence in other people's lives. And here's what I want to tell you. I believe passionately that there is a time coming at the fold where we're going to see people, many people who are far from God encounter the transformative work of the Holy Spirit here, that every week we're going to have to figure out where to put people. I believe deeply that that is coming. But if you're here and you're like, all right, you're telling me to invite people to church. This is another church that's just trying to fill up seats. And just like everyone else, here's what I want to tell you then find a church you want to invite people to and invite people to that church. Because this isn't about building an empire of the fold. This is about the fact that there are people who don't know Jesus. Whether they come here or someone else, there are people who, who are lost and alone, and they don't know that there is a home with an open door where they are welcomed and loved. 
they don't know that they can be forgiven and redeemed if they just believe that Jesus has forgiven and redeemed them. If they trust his work on the cross, they don't know that. So it doesn't matter what church they go to or what fold group they join. It matters that they come home. And I hope that it's here. But there are a lot of great churches in the upstate that are inviting people home. And I want it to be somewhere. I live in Inman. My neighbor might not drive to Boiling Springs, but I'm going to tell him about Jesus anyway. I might not drive to Greenville, but I'm going to tell him about Jesus anyway and hope that he goes to the church that I could throw a rock at from my house and hit. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. We were put here because there are people far from God, people who don't know that there is a home they're invited into. And we have the privilege with our work and with our words of inviting people home through Jesus. This is beautiful work that we are called and we have the privilege of doing. We're a community committed to pursuing the healing and wholeness of Jesus by finding home, finding family, and finding purpose. That's why we exist. That's why the fold was born. That's why we gather every week and we have fold groups. That's why people volunteer their time on the team and don't get paid. That is why we exist. Welcome home. (laughs) Here's what I want to tell you. And yes, I'm talking for longer than I normally do. But here's what I want to tell you. As we're closing this, if you're here today and you would say, hey, This place feels like home to me. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's your 50th time. I don't know. You'd say, yeah, this feels like home, but you are not part of a fold group. You have one next step, and that is to join a fold group. A lot of our fold group leaders are going to be back there by the door at the end of the service. They want to meet you and invite you into family. Home is a building if there are not people to share it with. Find family. If this is your home, your next step is to find family there. And I'll say this, in the lobby, we're going to have a table with volunteer opportunities, just places where you could get plugged in, you can sign up to get more information about serving. If you're not in a fold group, don't go to that table. Because we don't want anything from you until you have been welcomed into the family, until you know what it's like to be loved, to laugh and cry, to have somebody you can call at 2 a.m. So if you want to go join a fold group and then go back to that table, praise the Lord for you but don't do it the other way around. If you're here and you would say, you know what, this is my home, this is my family, these are my people, I love this place, then I want to invite you, who in your life is far from Jesus? Who in your life has God uniquely positioned you for impact? There are people who do not know that they are welcomed home. Who is it? You are invited to be part of, of the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls it an ambassador of reconciliation. In other words, the kingdom of God lets you show the world what it's like and invite people into reconciliation. What work are you doing well? What words are you saying that are inviting people into the kingdom? It's time to step into that purpose. It's time to step into that purpose. It's time to live invitationally. And lastly, if you are here, And you're like, man, if you guys really knew me, you wouldn't love me. God couldn't love me. If God, you'd feel like you're lost and alone and you are desperate and you are unlovable. If that's you, 
and that's what you feel like, I want to tell you that Jesus is inviting you home right now. That you do not have to pray a magic prayer. You don't have to raise your hand and sign a form at the end of the service. All you have to do is choose to believe that Jesus actually loves you. That you actually have sinned and made a mistake. We, already all, we all already know that. But that Jesus has actually forgiven you and offered you new life through the death and resurrection. And you can begin pursuing healing and wholeness in Jesus today if you just believe it. If you just put your trust in him. No one is too much or too far or too anything for Jesus. No one is too much or too far or too anything for this community. You can pursue the healing and wholeness of Jesus today. I am so excited about this vision that God has given us because I actually believe that it can change Greenville and that it can change the world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for inviting us home. Jesus, thank you that in a world of kings and leaders and people and friends who are looking out for themselves and who are asking for something from us, that you said, I have something for you. Thank you that you are the king who offers life and life to the full. And in this kingdom, we are welcomed and invited in. God, I ask that your name would be glorified. Your love would be known this morning. And I thank you that we who are part of this community at the fold, have the privilege and the honor of participating with you, sharing in your goodness, living as ambassadors of your kingdom. Thank you that you would trust us to share this goodness with you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together.